The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Well, hey, I would, I would be amiss if I didn't take a moment and, uh, and thank some of the guys that helped put this weekend together. Um, a lot of, a lot of time and, and effort and work goes into stuff like this. And so I just want to recognize a few people and, and uh, encourage you to give these people a high five and just thank them for what they've done this weekend. Uh, Justin had a part in helping us get this place, uh, months ago, get this place solidified. Thank you, Justin. Jared has obviously plays a huge role in our men's ministry. Nathan back here. Nathan has done a ton to take care of the details of this weekend. Yes. David Terry, uh, man, David, you and your worship team. David oversees our men's ministry. And uh, when he took it over, it, it, it just, we started seeing God do some incredible things. And so David, thank you so much for all that you do. Um, Casey Bush behind the camera, Nathan, Jay, Keith back there, you guys, thank you so much. We're so blessed. I I tell you, I I really am so grateful for all the people that make this church work. And, uh, it's, I, I believe because of so many great men and women that we have serving in our church that God has a lot in store for our, for this church. Foundation's a big deal, and we've got a really, really solid foundation that God can build something strong on. And I believe that, I know I say it a lot, but it's true. I believe our best days are our, are our next days. And uh, in the months ahead, uh, you know, I think that we're going to see God do some incredible things. And so be praying for New Song Church. Be praying for us. And uh, tonight, I want to talk to you. I'm calling this message, Hold On. If you're taking notes, hold on. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about what to do when you face a problem, how you, how you deal with a storm, how you deal with an impasse in the road. You know, the, the, the Bible tells us, Jesus, in fact, promised us that in this world we're going to have some trouble. You're going to face stuff. You're going to have problems. And, uh, and so what do we do when, when problems come? So tonight, I want to look at Paul the Apostle Paul, and look at a story from Acts 26 and 27, if you want to, if you've got your Bible and you want to flip over there with me. I'm going to really dig through this tonight. We've got some, it'll be a little different than what you're used to on a Sunday morning, but I want to kind of just dig through this line upon line and kind of show you some stuff in Scripture and, uh, and, and help you to see what I think are some incredible characteristics of a man of God facing problems and how he dealt with these problems and what God was able to do with him and through him because of the way he went through these problems. But first of all, look at this with me. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 17. You guys put that up on the screen. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly. That that phrase there, endeavor more eagerly, means that they were really, uh, really trying and working hard to to get to them, is what, what he's talking about, to see you face to face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again. But Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us. That, that word 
uh, hindered there, when he says hindered, is, is the Greek word ekapo, ekapto. It's E-G-K-O-P-T-O. And it means this. It means when you hit an impasse so severe that you're no longer able to take this route. So Paul's talking to this group of people, and he said he wants to get to them, but he can't. Because on his way to get to them, he hits this impasse that comes from the enemy. And he's not, it's not literally a road he's talking about here. He's talking about the circumstances came in such a way that the way he thought he was going to go to get to them is no longer an option. And I want to invite you guys tonight as I'm, as I'm preaching, you're like, you can stay energized and with me tonight. You can talk to me, okay? So, so he's saying, I couldn't get this way. In fact, another, another translation, this Greek word means that it's like he got knocked off the road. So it's like he's going, he's heading in this direction, doing what he's called to do. And on his way there, something happens. Satan hinders him in such a way that he's not able to go the way he's trying to go. And so what do you do? Because this happens in life sometimes. What do you do when you take a hit? What do you do when, when something happens and you, the road that you thought, the, the path that maybe you thought you were going to go down becomes an, a path that you can't, becomes impassable. You can't go that way anymore. What do, what do you do? How do you still get to the call, the plan of God for your life when things seem to change? What do you got to do? So flip over to Acts 27. Acts 27, and we're going to read about a time that Paul, and this story is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And it's, it's really interesting because um, just time after time, you're going to see that Paul just is up against stuff, just facing stuff, just time after time, keeps being hit by stuff. So what, what do you do? What do you do when you're facing a tough time? Now, as we set this up, understand this about the life of Paul. Uh, Paul, when he's called into his ministry, receives his calling, receives salvation, pretty, pretty early on, he knows that he's called to reach Gentiles, to reach the Jews, and to reach people of authority, including kings. God's called him to do some pretty amazing stuff. And so he's on his way, as the story starts off, he's on his way to Rome through a series of events, and this option is in front of him that he may actually get the opportunity to, to actually minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Caesar, which is a big deal. Rome's the most powerful kingdom in the world at this time, and the Caesar's the most powerful man. And, and he may be the guy that gets to actually share the gospel of Jesus Christ with him for the first time. This is a big, amazing deal. And so he's on his way there when things begin to happen. Now, the first thing that I want to I point out, I've got seven points for you tonight that we see in the character of Paul that I think help us to understand what we do when we're facing a storm, what we do when we face an impasse. And here's the first one. you got to get a word from God. you got to get a word from God. Paul has a word from God. Early on in his ministry, he knows he's called to do some great things. He knows he's called to bring this message of Jesus Christ to people. He, he knows that. And so he has this word from the Lord. And I want you to know, if you're going to do something significant for God, you've got to get a word from the Lord. And you have to value. In order to get a word from the Lord, you've got to value the word. Man, you got to put a value on the Word of God. The Bible says this in Matthew 7, 24. It says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Meaning it's not just, it's not just some stuff to kind of throw in there every once in a while. I'm going to live my life, and sometimes I'll sprinkle my life with a little Bible. That's not what, the, what it says. It's not homeowner improvements to your standard of living. The other day, <laughs> the other day we, my, my wife, Sarah, was talking to my daughter, Bo. And Bo is awesome. If you don't, if you don't know my daughter Bo, man, you need to get to know Bo because she just she's funny. 
But she's talking to her, and she was reading her some stuff from Scripture, and it was some stuff that was kind of, she's reading, it was kind of reading her mail about, you know, how you need to treat your, your sister and all this stuff, and she's reading along, and Bo goes, man, this word is burning me. It's burning me. Sometimes the word burns a little bit, doesn't it? Look at this. He says, this isn't just some add-ons. It's not just, you know, little improvements for you. Check it out. They are foundational words. Words to build a life on. Words to build your life on. Is that how you see the word? Is that what the Bible is to you? You know how you'll know? You know how you can know? What do you do when you hit a storm? It's one of the ways you know how, how much you really believe the word, how much you really value the word in your life, is when a storm comes, what are you standing on? Is the word your foundation? That's how you know. Is this word burning you a little bit this morning? Man, I keep saying this morning. I'm so used to preaching in the morning. It's nighttime. It's nighttime, okay? So, so is the word really something that you build your life on? Now look at this. Paul is, is on the ship. He's on his way to Rome, and stuff begins to fall apart. He's got a word. He knows where he's going. He's in the plan of God, but stuff starts to fall apart. Look at this, verse 14. But not, not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurocladon. Eurocladon. Notice that this wind has a name. Why does it have a name? Because this is an annual storm that arises on a regular basis, and this storm is bad news. Like, you do not want to be caught up in this storm. It's this storm that comes out of the of the north of Europe every year, and it's so feared. Men do not want to be out on sea when this storm comes because typically if you get caught in this storm, you ain't coming home. You're going to die. And Paul's out on the ocean. He's sailing in the, in the will of God, going towards the direction God's called him to, and a storm arises. What do you do when a storm arises? And, and I think it's interesting because one of the things God showed me as I was kind of digging through this this week, God highlighted this story for me, for you. And, and as I went through it, here, here's the question. Here's a question for you. What's the name of your storm? This storm has a name. And I think we all, we all have little storms that rise up in our life, some little, some big. What's the name of your storm? What's the name of that thing that rises up in your life that derails you, that comes up on a regular basis, that comes up from time to time? Maybe it's something that happened in your past. Maybe it's something that you can't seem to get over, but it rises up. And you get caught in it. And it seems to derail you from the direction that God's called you to. You with me tonight? Yeah. What's, what's your storm? If you know it, write it down. What's your storm? What's that thing? What's the, what's the thing that rises up? So, so they, they're in this storm, and it's, it's bad. I mean, it's throwing this boat all over the place, and they are, they are in it, and, and there's fear rising up with all the men on the ship. Verse 18, it says, Because we were exceedingly tempest tossed the next day they lighten the ship so they begin to throw stuff off we'll come back to that a little bit later on the third day we threw off the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands verse 20 now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no and no small tempest beat on us all hope that we would be saved was finally given up so it looks bad it looks scary the people on the boat the people that Paul's surrounded by are thinking that we're gonna die it's over they're tossing stuff off. They've done everything they know to do, and it just is, it, it doesn't seem like they're going to make it out. But Paul receives a word from the Lord. And, and the word from, that, that the Lord gives him confirms the word that God has already given him. 
See, when you have a word from the Lord, God can confirm a word to you. Some of you, maybe that's what happened to you this weekend. There's some stuff God has placed on your heart, and maybe God is confirming some of that through other men or through the word or through things that you've heard. Maybe you've known some of these things, and you've been wondering if these are some things you need to do, and now God's able to confirm it. But now that you can, it can be confirmed in your life, you can have more faith in it, and you can build your life on it. Look at what happens here. Verse 22, Paul stands up before these men, and he says, And now I urge you to take heart. For there will be no loss among you, but only the ship. In other words, Paul says, you ain't going to die. None of us are going to die, but we're going to lose the ship. The ship's going down, but we're going to live. He says, for there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul, you must be brought before the Caesar. Everybody say that with me. You must be brought before the Caesar. So he gets this word that says, hey, what you believed could happen is going to happen. You're, you're going to be brought before the Caesar. And so now Paul can put his faith in that word. And even though things may be going bad around him, he has a word from the Lord that he can stand on and put his faith in that tells him of an outcome that may not line up with what he's experiencing, but he can put his faith in that and walk towards that in faith in what God said, not in what his circumstances are saying. He says, indeed, God has granted you all of you, and God has granted you all those who sail with you. So he's saying, God's going to spare me, and because you're with me, God's going to spare you. That's good news. You know, when I get on a plane, I bet everybody's grateful that I'm on that plane. Because ain't nobody going to die, because I'm on the plane. Amen? Somebody tells me they're afraid on the plane, I'm like, no, don't be afraid, I'm here. You're good. You're good. Verse 25, therefore, take heart, men. In other words, have some faith yourself. Get your confidence up. For I believe that, that, that the God I will serve will do what he told me. What did he tell him? You must be brought before Caesar. I, I remember one time um, when I was still at Gateway Church, many of you know I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, right? You guys know that? Amen to that. Steve Romano, you're an Eagles fan. Get thee behind me, Satan. Yeah. But I'm a Cowboys fan. And when I was at Gateway, Sometimes on Sundays, I, I couldn't see the, the Cowboys game until it was over because of just the way the day would go. And, uh, and I would do everything I could at that moment, at, at that season of my life, to, to not hear what was going on. And this was a challenge for me because I had a lot of people around me. I'm living in Dallas at this time. People are talking about this. So I'd hear people talking about the game, and I was like, shut up. Like, don't, don't say another word. I don't want to know. And so one day I'm doing really good. I haven't heard anything. I'm getting on this shuttle that we take back to where we get our cars every week. And when I get on, uh, this guy gets on the bus. And he's like, man, can you believe that the Cowboys won the game? And I was like, dude, what the heck? But, you know, I still want to watch the game. So I got home and, and I DVR'd the game and I put it on. And I'm watching the game and the game begins. And, and the, the other team, I don't remember who they're playing, but the other team scores a touchdown. And they're down seven to nothing. And, and I'm watching, and I'm kind of going, man, that's, you know, stinks, but I'm, I'm feeling very good about it, because I know what happens at the end. And then I, I see they score again, and I'm still feeling pretty good. Normally, just so you know, if I don't know the outcome, I ain't doing so good. I'm not doing good at all. I'm, I'm throwing stuff and saying Christian cuss words, you know, you know, the Christian ones. Not, I ain't going there. And then they get down 21 to nothing, 21 to nothing. And I'm just cool as I can be. 
I'm not worried at all. Why? Because I know the outcome. And, and when that's happening and everything's falling apart in this game and it looks really bad, you know what I'm thinking? Man, I can't wait to see how this works out. I'm not thinking I want to turn this off and leave and go try to get my salvation back. I'm thinking, man, I am so excited because I know the end. I know what's going to happen. And sure enough, I get to watch the game and they make this incredible comeback. And at the very end of the game, they win. And I was able to have confidence because I knew the end from the beginning. And because of Jesus, we can know the end from the beginning. You know, the Bible tells us that God is not the author of confusion. There's a lot of stuff that comes against us that tries to bring confusion into our life. But you know what the opposite of confusion is? You might think it would be like order or something like that, but it's not. You know what it is? It's confidence. The opposite of confusion is confidence. So, so what God wants to, so understand this. When God says he's not the author of, some, of that, the opposite is what he is the author of. So if he's not the author of confusion, he's the author of confidence. And he wants you to have God confidence. The kind of confidence that says in the middle of the mess, I know the end from the beginning. It may look bad right now, but my faith isn't what I see. My faith is in who my God is and what I know he will do. And that's Paul. Paul's in the middle of the storm. Things aren't looking good. And let me just tell you, they're going to get a lot worse. We're just getting started here with how bad this is going to be. But he has faith. So, so number one, he's holding on to the word. And now that he's got this word, or number, number one is he's, he's, uh, he, he gets a word from the Lord. Number two is he's able to hold on to that word. He's holding on in faith to the word he's received from God. And I want you to know, men, God's got a Caesar for you to see. You believe that? God has a purpose for your life, a plan for your life to do something significant, to stand before a Caesar, to make an impact on the world around you. And it may not look good right now. In fact, you may be a little derailed right now. You may look at some of the, what's going on in your life and say, I don't know how this is going to work out. You don't have to know how it's going to work out. You just have to know you, you serve a God who can work it out. He can work it out. So you put your faith in him. All right, so, so they're in this storm. At this time, now here's the thing. At this time, they're four days into this. But this is going to go on for another 10 days. 10 days of staying in this storm. And it says this. It actually says that they took no bread for their stomachs and took no sleep. That means they didn't sleep and they didn't rest for 14 days in a storm, throwing up, weak, struggling, fighting for their life in the middle of this terrible storm. Look at this, verse 27. Now when the 14th night, there it is, 14 days, had come, as we were driven up and down in the, in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors sensed that we were drawing near some land. So they, there was a sense about them that there's land near but it was such a bad storm, they, they couldn't see it. And then skip to verse 39. It says, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach. And that word bay there actually means harbor. So they, they saw a place where they could, they could bring the ship into, where they could get away from the storm, get out of this, this storm. It says, uh, it says this, onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. So they make this corporate decision that they're going to take the ship and they're going to drive it into this harbor as best they can. Verse 40. So they let go of the anchors and left them in the sea. In other words, they cut loose of, of these anchors 
And what they're doing is they're, they're trying to get this ship as light as they possibly can so that they can raise the sail and they can drive it into the place that they feel like they can escape from. So, so here's, here's point number three. Taking notes, here's, here's your third point. Is you got to lose the weight. Now I'm talking about weight. I ain't talking about your tum-tum, okay? I'm talking about the stuff that's weighing you down. The stuff that is, is maybe keeping you from being able to run the race that God has called you to run. The stuff that's keeping you from being able, you, you, see, you see where God maybe wants you to go. You see an option ahead of you, but, but there's some things that you got to throw off. The Bible says this in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us throw off every weight. Somebody say every weight. Every weight, every weight means anything that's slowing you down. It says slow off the, throw off this weight. It slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. It says throw it off. That word throw off there is the Greek word apotithemi. Apotithemi means to lay something down while at the same time pushing it far away beyond your reach. In other words, you're going to lay some stuff down. You're going to recognize there's some stuff that's weighing you down. And you're not just going to like kind of let it drop off. You're actually going to distance yourself from it. There's an intentionality here. I'm going I'm to take some steps to get this out of my reach where this isn't something that I'm going to keep picking up. I, I won't just keep grabbing it easily. I'm going to do some stuff like what we talked about today. Get some accountability in place. Ha- have some conversations with people. I'm going to do, I'm going to take some steps that make it possible so I can not just lay this down, but I can push it out of my reach because I know it's slowing me down and it's keeping me from what God has for me. So I'm going to, I'm going to push it aside. We got to decide to, to change, to throw off this stuff, to remove attitudes and actions and, and, and these sins that, that sometimes we play around with that we don't recognize that it's, it's slowing us down. It's keeping us from our calling. It's keeping us from being able to go to the places God wants us to go. We're going to have to get intentional about this. What needs to go? What needs to go? What's the Holy Spirit telling you this weekend needs to go? Maybe there's some relationships that need to go. There's people that you get around and... When you're done being around those people, you walk away and you say, man, I don't like who I am around those people. Maybe there's some attitudes. Maybe there's some unforgiveness. It's weighing you down. It's keeping you from the plan of God for your life. Maybe there's some sin that you're, you're dabbling around with. Some, some stupid stuff. Some girl at your office that you're talking to. Is the word burning you? Don't say Amen. We gotta, you gotta, don't mess around with this stuff. It's designed to entangle you. It's designed to trip you up. It's designed to stop you from the plan of God for your life. The devil hates your guts. And he's not going to take it easy on you. And he's relentless. He's going to keep coming. He's going to keep throwing stuff at you. And you got to decide, no, I'm going to change some stuff. I'm going to change. I'm going to put some accountability. I'm going to put some things in place so I can distance myself from things that I know if I keep playing around with it, it could be the death of me. It could be the death of my calling. It could be the death of my marriage. It could be the death of the plan of God for my life. We got to quit messing around with this stuff. You got to lose the weight. Okay, so back to Paul. Now they've unloaded as much as they can. They've raised up the sail. So the wind catches the boat and begins to send this boat towards this shore that they see. 
says this, verse 41, but striking a place where the two seas met, they ran the ship aground. So this stuff just keeps happening. They run the ship aground. Where it says where the two seas meet here, that actually means there's this underwater reef. So they see the place. They're like, that's where we need to go. That's, that's our escape. That's how we can get out from this storm. They start heading in that direction. The wind catches their sails. They cut stuff loose. And on their way there, the ship, bam, runs into this. It says this, and the, pro, and, the, and the pro struck fast and remained immovable, but the stern was being broken up by the violence of, of the waves. So the ship is starting to kind of break apart. Some of the boards and some of the parts of the ship, and so it was that they escaped safely to the land. So, so here's what it's saying. They're, they're, they run into this reef, and now because they've run into the reef, the ship is starting to break apart and fall apart. And so now they're in a situation where it's like, we just got to get off, every man off. Every guy get off, jump off. We got to swim towards the shore. That's our only hope now is we got to swim towards the shore. And it says that, that they, some of the boards and some of the parts, what that means is that they started to grab a hold of this stuff. So now they're in the water and they're grabbing a hold of the stuff that's floating. Maybe it's a piece of wood that's broken off the ship. Maybe it's a piece of furniture, but they're grabbing a hold of whatever will keep their head above water. So yes, you got to lose some stuff, but here's, here's my fourth thing for you tonight. You gotta ask yourself what floats? What floats? What'll keep your head above water? When you're in the storm, what can you what can you put the weight of your life on that can actually hold you up? What can you do? Let me get let me tell you what some of those things are. Let me give you some. Here's one the word of God. Put your confidence in the word of God. The word of God can keep you afloat when you know it and it's in you and you can speak it. And you can believe in it. You can put your faith in it. It can keep you afloat. Prayer can keep you afloat. Praying. Praying in the Spirit. Knowing, knowing what the Word of God says. Speaking the Word over yourself can keep you afloat in the middle of the storm. Worship. Worshiping in the middle of the storm. When you don't feel like it. When maybe stuff ain't going so well. You don't like what you're seeing, but you lift your hands anyways and you say, Jesus, I worship you. I extend my love to you right now in the middle of my storm, and I trust in you in that moment. You're grabbing a hold of something that can keep you up. Amen. The Holy Spirit, he's your helper. He's your comforter. Having a relationship with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis where you're going to him and you're, you're allowing him to speak into your life. You're going to him. He can, he can keep you afloat. Community. Relationships. Being planted in a church. Knowing other people that you can walk hand in hand with. People that, that know you and can minister to you and pray for you. Wasn't it so wonderful when we were just kind of going and praying for each other and giving words to each other? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Listen, that can happen any time in your life. It doesn't just have to happen once a year at a men's retreat. You, you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life like that all the time. You invite the Holy Spirit. God, show me people. One of the things I pray every week is that God would help me to see people in the church. He'd shine a light on them so I'd see them. And I wouldn't just see them for who they are in the moment. I'd see them for who they are in Christ. See faith in them. I see who they can be called to be. And then I would, I would, as I would see that, that I'd have the boldness to go out and call those things out of them and encourage them and edify them with the Holy Spirit's work in my life. Grab a hold of something that floats and then just keep swimming. You got to swim. You got to kick those legs and you got to keep fighting. In fact, let me say it like this. Here's point five. Persist, persist, persist. You got to have some tenacity in you. Tenacity says this. It says, it says that you're going to hold on. 
Tenacity is holding on. It's the quality of being tenacious and being persistent. We have to have an attitude of tenacity. Listen, if you're looking for an excuse to quit, the devil will gladly give you one. He will throw all sorts of excuses at you. So if you're looking for an excuse to quit, he'll give you plenty. But if you have an attitude that says, no, I ain't quitting. I ain't giving up. I'm going to fight with everything in me, and I'm going to persist, and I'm going to be tenacious in my persistence. God can do something. You you think about people in the Bible that did something significant for God. Man, they were tenacious. I think about people who had encounters with Jesus. They were tenacious. I think of the woman with the issue of blood. She had no business going up to Jesus. But the Bible talks about how she fought her way through that crowd so she could reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And when she did, she received healing. Why did she receive it? Because she had tenacity that said, he's got what I need and I won't stop until I get to him. Is that your attitude? I think of uh, the man at the pool of Bethesda who's calling out. He wanted healing. And he called out. I think of the, 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 the paralytic who's, re- who's dropped through the roof. What, what's the barrier? What's the impasse for him? He's paralyzed. But he rallies a group of guys around him. And when they get to this place where Jesus is and they can't get in, they come up with another plan and they dig the roof and drop him through the roof. That's tenacity. And what happened? Because they had tenacity, they have these incredible encounters with Jesus where Jesus meets them in the area of their need. Maybe there's, you have an area of need and maybe it's just a little bit of tenacity that's going to get you there. Being willing to say, I'm going to persist. I'm going to fight. I'm going to keep coming. That's Paul. Paul has a tenacious heart that says, I'm going to keep swimming. I'm going to grab a hold of something that floats and I'm going to doggy paddle my way out of this mess because God's got a plan for me and I got an appointment with the Caesar and I'm going to do everything I can. Acts 28, go there now. Acts 28 is the next chapter. Verse 1 says this. Now when they had escaped, so they're out of the storm now, but it ain't over yet. Then they found that the island was called Malta. So they've been, now now, just remind you what's going on, okay? Paul has been in the storm for 14 days. No food. He's probably been throwing up a lot. Dry heaving. Got nothing to eat. Nothing left. Dry heaving because he's on a boat. He may have been on a boat like in the sea being tossed by waves. Man, it will make you crazy sick. So they're sick. He's probably tired, worn out. He hasn't slept, the Bible tells us. Hasn't had any food. And now he's doggy paddled his way, holding on to some piece of wood, getting his way onto this beach. He's covered in salt water. Got salt in his hair. And and he looks back and, and the ship that he was on is gone. Every possession he has is gone. He's got nothing Everything is lost at this moment. This is where he finds himself. Now look at this, verse 2. And the natives showed unusual kindness. They kindled a fire and made us welcome. Now check out this detail. This is funny. Because the rain that was falling and because of the cold. So let me just, all of that, and then let me just say, and it's raining and it's cold. Like, it, it doesn't feel like it could get much worse here, Right? Like, it is so bad, and it just keeps getting worse. And guess what? It still isn't over. It's still, there's still more. Okay, look at verse 3. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire. Now, stop right there. This is really interesting to me. Because here's Paul, and he's got every excuse to say, man, I am tired, and I'm hurting, and I'm sick, and this is not going well. And these natives, they're, they're kindling a fire. So yeah, you guys just get that. You get the wood, you take care of it. 
I'm just going to sit here because I need, I need healing. I need recovery. That's not what he does. He gets up. He says, we're going to build a fire. All right, let's build a fire. So he goes and he gets the wood. And he's collecting the wood. Here's point number six. Do something. What's right in front of you that you need to be doing? You know, something that I see sometimes in church, because I'm a pastor, I'll have people come up to me and they'll tell me sometimes, hey, we love New Song, and we feel like this is our church, but the, the last church we were in, there was some really, you know, some rough stuff that happened, and we just, we really feel like we need some time before we just really give our heart to this and really get get committed and, and plugged in. We, we, we feel like this is the church for us, but we just we need to kind of heal first. All right, here's my problem with that. At first I would tell them, yeah, I, I understand, that's fine. You, you kind of take your time. But one of the things I noticed was these people would end up after about six months, all of a sudden they're gone. And so I was talking to God about this one day, and, and God kind of just kind of unpacked something for me. He, he reminded me, when I was a kid, I, I broke a lot of my fingers playing sports playing football, playing baseball. I broke my index fingers and my thumbs. And, and when, I, when I would break my fingers and I went into the doctor, the doctor never said, okay, yeah, you broke your finger. Um, let me just go ahead and cut it off so it can heal. Because if it gets cut off from the body, it can't heal. What, what, did, what did my doctor do? He would put a cast on it, or he'd put a brace on it. And, and most of the time when he did it, it was connected to another one of my fingers that was strong on my hand. It's called buddy taping, or buddy casting. And the point was that that weak finger, that hurt finger, is now going to be still connected to my body so it can receive healing, but it's also going to be connected to another finger so that it can draw strength from that other finger. Boy, I hope some lights are coming on for you right now. The, the, the thing that you need, if you're hurt, if church, you say church hurt you, one, church didn't hurt you, people in the church hurt you. Church is, the church is the bride of Christ. Bride of Christ ain't going to hurt you. People may hurt you, but Jesus ain't going to hurt you, okay? But, but, but what you need is you don't need to disconnect, you need to connect. You need to connect with other believers and you need to stay connected to the source of healing that God is using in this world right now to bring that healing to you. And he's surrounded you with people that you can connect to that are strong, that you can draw strength from while you're connecting in the body. Can I get an amen? So, so you gotta, you gotta do something. So, so how do you get connected in that, in the churches? You get connected by doing stuff. You gotta do stuff. You gotta get in a group. You got you to get on a serve team. We don't, we don't tell you this because we're just trying to put more people on teams. We tell you this because we know that, that when you do these things, when you tithe and when you serve and when you get connected like that, you're putting your roots down. And the Bible says when you put your roots down, you can flourish. You can receive what God has for you. This is Paul. This is the attitude we see in him. There's this thing in him that says, I'm not just going to sit around. Yes, I'm hurt right now. Yes, I'm a little weak right now. But, I, but there's something to do. What's in front of me that needs to be done? That's the question. What's in front of you that needs to be done? What's the thing that you see that you can do? And you may say, well, sometimes, it, you know, I know sometimes it's, there's stuff. And you may say, well, it's a little beneath me. Well, if it's beneath you. Like, we, I hope you know that's not a good thing to say ever. 
Like, God, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little above that right now. Oh, really? Big opportunities come to people who steward small God opportunities. Big God opportunities come to people who steward small God opportunities. So what's God put right in front of you right now? What do you see that you can do something about? And do, do something. Get in there. Get your hands dirty. Serve people. That's what Paul's doing. He's serving. If anyone has his excuse not to serve, it's this guy right now, right? But what is he doing? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's mimicking his Savior. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus got, yeah, this beneath me. Okay. I bet Jesus could have said that a lot, right? You ever thought about that? He's Jesus. And yet he's washing feet and he's dying on crosses. Okay, so just, there you go. This word's burning me. Somebody say, this word's burning me. Do something. All right. So it gets interesting. It ain't over yet. So now he's serving. (laughs) But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. This is amazing. And, And what, like, we hear these stories sometimes. You don't understand. This is all happening just happening like how bad can it get now he's serving he throws these sticks on because of the heat this viper comes out a viper means it was a very very poisonous steak it's a killer this is like black mamba cobra this is a bad snake and it says it fastened onto his hand you know what that means that means it attached itself to him and it's it's so fastened it's sinking its teeth into him and it's injecting its poison into him and it is fastened onto him which means it ain't coming off now look at this verse four So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. (laughs) Because they're going, dude, this guy's having a rough go. Like, they see it. This guy, surely, he must have done something bad. Though he escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. Isn't it amazing sometimes what people start to say in the middle of your storm? Sometimes we're in the storm and we start hearing these little rumblings. Oh, he must have done something wrong to be in this storm. Paul is right in the middle of the will of God. He's doing what God's calling to do. So don't listen to those voices that try to make you feel bad. Paul's right where God wants him to be. So what do you do when you get bit by a snake? Here's what you do, verse 5. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Here's point number 7. Shake it off. Shake it off. You're going to have to pull the Taylor Swift and shake it off. Shake it off. You got to shake it off. Now what's interesting is when it says he had to shake it off, that means he had to violently shake it off. And notice that there's a verse between when he gets bit and when he actually shaking it off, which means he is shaking it and shaking it, and it doesn't come off right away. He's still shaking. He's got to keep shaking, and it's not coming off. And the people are going, this guy must be a murderer. But he's still shaking it off because it's not coming off. And it's clinging onto his hand, and it's injecting poison into him. Poison is coming out of the snake. Every time it bites down with its little, its mouth, it is just shooting like a, like a, like a needle poison into his body. And yet he keeps shaking and keeps shaking until he shakes it off, and he suffers no harm. Understand, in life... Stuff is going to rise up and it's going to bite you. 
and it's going to bite you and it's going to sink its teeth onto you and you're going to have to choose to shake it off. What do you need to shake off? What is something that keeps rising up in your life that is injecting poison into you? That you know it's injecting poison into your life. You know it's hurting you. And maybe you've come to this place of you've shook it for a while and it didn't come off and so now, well, I guess this is just the way it is. So I'll just let it be here and I'll just kind of drag this around with me and all, all along it's going to keep injecting poison into me and it's going to make me sick and it's going to slow me down and eventually it's going to kill me but I tried to shake it off and it didn't shake off so now I just, now I guess I'll just let it go. What is that? Is it an addiction? Is it a sin? Is it a way of thinking? Is it something that your dad said? Is it something that somebody else said? And you shook it for a little bit, but it keeps coming back, and you're kind of like, well, you know, I'll just let that poison keep going in. You gotta shake, and you gotta shake, and you gotta shake until you shake it off. And if you'll keep shaking it off, it will come off. And it'll go into the fire, and you will suffer no harm. Now, it doesn't mean it may not hurt in the moment, but the long-term effects of it will not take place in your life. At one point in my life, I was addicted to pornography. And I thought at one point in my life, because a lot of stuff fell apart, that the call of God for my life was ruined. But I kept shaking it off. I kept shaking off that idea that God can't use me anymore. That the plan of God has been messed up. That that was, my, that was my path. That was my road. But that's an impasse now. And so I can't get to where God's called me to be. I shook that off. I said, no, that's not true. That's not going to be my story. I kept shaking it off. And listen, God found another path for me. God found another way to get me to the call that he had for my life. Because I kept shaking it off. And no harm came to me. Sure, it hurt in the moment, and there were some lessons to learn from that, but no ultimate harm happened because I shook it off. you got to shake it off, and if you shake it off, no harm. Now, look at this, verse 6. Okay, let's check this out. Verse 6, however, they expected that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. The people around him are looking at him, and they're going, dude, he got it off, but he's going to die because we, we know that snake, and that, that's a killer. What happened to him, that's a killer, <laughs> and people don't survive that. People don't live through that. He's going to swell up. He's going to die. That's what they're saying. But after they had looked for a long time, everybody say long time, and saw no harm came to him, they changed their minds. And look at this. Look at how much they changed their mind. And said that he was a god. So they go from saying he must surely be a murderer and they're not right in what they end up at, but, but notice how much their minds change because he continued to walk in faith. It changes everything. And I want you to know, people are watching you. People are looking at you. They're watching your life. They see you. And they see when stuff attacks you. And what will they say at the end? Is what you're doing, is your response... To whatever it is that you're facing, is it communicating despair and hopelessness? Or is it communicating faith in God? Wrong, yeah. Write that down. Because so often I see people and they're struggling with stuff, and yet the words of their mouth agree with the problem. And the posture of their heart agrees with the problem. And so the problem solver, they position themselves to agree with it. 
So, so Paul has this attitude that says, I'm shaking this off. I'm going to keep pursuing God. I'm going to swim. I'm going to grab a hold of stuff that floats. I'm going to toss up everything that's weighing me down. And because of that, God is able to turn the story. And so now, finally, it's about to get good. You guys ready for this? All right, look at this. Verse 7. In that region, there was an estate of a leading citizen of the island. That word estate means it was a mansion. It was a palace. It was a very rich person whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. That word courteously means uh, in luxury. So this guy, after this happens with the snake, is like, you guys come with me. And he brings them into his palace, his mansion, and he begins to entertain them in luxury for three days. So because Paul has continued to walk in faith, shaken stuff off, allowed God to use him. Listen, if Paul would have started, if he would have shook that off and then said, why did God let this happen to me? Why is God allowing this? I'm just trying to follow God. He would have died. But he didn't do that. He shook it off. And he believed in faith. And so because of that, it creates this platform for him. Look at verse 8. And it happened that the father of Publius was sick with a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. This guy receives healing. Verse 9. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who said who had diseases also came and were healed. So now, check this out. Paul has taken this problem and all of these issues that have taken place have now become a platform. A platform that he can now minister and do what God's called him to do from. And, and the opposition of his life becomes an open door. And maybe some of the opposition of your life is an opportunity God can use and the problems of your life can become a platform that God can use. I'm not saying God's causing the problems. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he can use those issues. He can use those problems. He can use that storm. He can, he can create something through it with you. He can make all things work out together for your good. All things, including the storms and the problems, so that God can be used in your life. And so it becomes this, this incredible platform. Verse 10, because of this, the people, it says that they honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as was necessary. That word honored there means they blessed them with an abundance of everything they needed for the journey ahead, including money. They got money. These guys blessed them. They started saying, hey, you got, thank you for the healing. Thank you for the work that you're doing. We want to we take care of you. We want to bless you. We want to give you some things to help you to do, to continue to take this to other people. And so they begin to bless them. In fact, there's a Greek expositor that says they received so much money. Paul gets so much money from them that the money couldn't even be counted. And it's not over yet. It's going to get better. You guys ready? Look at the next verse. After three months, so three months of living like this, living in the lap of luxury, in this mansion, being treated good, all this stuff, we sailed in an Alexandria ship, remember that, whose figurehead was the twin brothers, remember that, which he wintered at, which had wintered at the island. So an Alexandria ship, Alexandria was this incredible port that had the nicest ships in the world were coming out of this port at this time. If you were on an Alexandria ship, it was like being in a Bentley or being in like a Rolls Royce. Like these were very, very nice, extremely nice ships. And it says that it was an Alexandria ship whose figurehead was the, tw the twin brothers. The twin brothers uh, were, were Castor and Pollux. 
Castor and Pollux were these, these, these pagan deities that, that symbolized the protectors of the richest, sleekest, most expensive ships in the world. Okay, so get this. Not only is this a ship of Alexandria, but it's one that has these two brothers on it, which symbols that this is one of the nicest of the ships of Alexandria. Okay, so check this out, guys. Paul has gone from losing everything to now this ship is taking him into Rome, and he's walking into Rome now, and he has all these riches, all this money that's going to help finance the ministry he's going to do for the rest of his life, And he's on a ship rolling in that's one of the nicest ships that you could possibly be on. Why? Because he continued to walk in faith in God. God took his mess and promoted him through it and used him. And listen, for him to go, if he's going to go into Rome and make the impact, he needs some of this stuff to help him get in there and reach the people that God's called him to reach. Through this, he's able to even get this apartment in Rome. In the center of Rome, it's kind of like it'd be like being having a, an apartment in, in central New York. And, and the Bible actually says it's a large place. Then he's able to later entertain the Jewish leaders in this place, which means it was very big if he's able to entertain all these Jewish leaders. And he has all this influence. And even though he's, he's in a way kind of in an in, in imprisonment kind of situation and a house arrest, because he has so much money, they allow him to live in his own place and, and go about and do some of the stuff that he's called to do. Why? Because he reaches an impasse, but he doesn't allow it to hinder him. He chooses to trust God. He chooses to walk by faith. And he has this incredible comeback story. And I just want you to know, that's what Jesus does. God is a God of a comeback story. Jesus is a comeback story. The cross is a comeback story. The cross looked really bad, but Jesus came back. And Jesus is going to come back again. And, and wherever you find yourself today, however bad it may be, however ugly the storm may be that you find yourself in, I just want you to know that God wants to create a comeback story for you. If you're willing to trust Him, if you'll stay faithful, if you'll hold on to the Word, if you'll persist, if you'll cut loose the dead weight, grab a hold of what floats, God can take what the devil meant for good and He can use it And you can ride into your future on a vehicle designed to carry you into the destiny that God has for you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, we love you. And we thank you that a storm doesn't mean that you're done. That a delay doesn't mean a denial. But Lord, you want to lift us up. And you want to help us. Thank you, Jesus. So we choose, Lord, to say that we're going to hold on. We're going to grab a hold of your word. And we're going to put it down deep in our heart. We're going to hold on to it. And we're going to persist. And we're going to cut loose the stuff that's hurting us. We're going to grab a hold of what floats. We're going to grab a hold of your word. We're going to grab a hold in worship. We're going to grab a hold of community. We're going to grab a hold of those things that will keep us afloat and we're going to persist and keep going. And Lord, when when things rise up against us, we're going to shake it off. I want to believe, Lord, that that you got a comeback story for us. Our best days are our next days. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
What's the Holy Spirit saying to you tonight in this message? Maybe there's a specific storm that you've dealt with. Maybe, maybe there's a specific path that you feel like God's called you to walk down, but maybe you've believed this lie that because it's become impassable that it's now impossible. But it's not impossible. Because with God, all things are possible. And what may have felt like it was gone is, is still available to you if you'll persist and keep following Jesus. So Lord, we ask you to allow us and help us to be hearers of this word that you have for us, to be doers of this word, to receive it. We recognize that Paul is, yes, he was a great man of God, but he was a man like we are. And he was used by you because he allowed himself to walk in faith and trust you. And Lord, I believe that you've got an appointment for us with a Caesar. You got an appointment with us, for us, with in our marriages, with our kids, with our employers, with our employees. You've called us to these appointments. And we thank you, Lord. Our faith is in the calling. And we trust you and give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Men, would you stand with me? I think it would be fitting that we kind of close out with a little bit of praise tonight. You guys down for that? I'm so proud of you guys. I really am. Thank you for being here this weekend. I hope that you leave full and encouraged and edified and ready to take on the devil and to grab a hold of what God has for you and chase after the plan of God with everything you have. I, I really am so proud of you, and I believe God is, is very proud of you this weekend. So go home, encourage your family, love your family, and let's, let's continue to take and receive everything that God has for us. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.